This is The Bittersweet Life, a show for expats, former expats, travel lovers, and people who dream about moving far away someday. I'm Katie Sewell, a recent repatriate to Seattle in the United States after a year in Rome. My co-host is Tiffany Parks, an expat who spent the last 10 years in Rome. If you're new to the show, I encourage you to join us for the whole journey by beginning with episode one. If you're really interested in today's theme, however, back up to the beginning afterwards. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Katie. Good evening. Tiffany's going through daylight savings time right now, which we went through a little bit ago over here in the United States. How's it working out for you so far? Well, it's annoying with a baby. I'll just tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a lot of things are annoying with a baby. Am I wrong? (laughs) Yes. I mean, no, you're you're not wrong. So daylight savings time is is never easy, especially in the spring when you lose an hour of sleep. But I'm I'm alive. I'm making it through. That's good. That's good. We did come up with a topic to talk about for today. But before we get into that, I did want to ask you, since we talked about cooking last week with uh, Francesca, I was curious about your own cooking habits. I mean, I kind of know that you cook for yourself and your family, <laughs> but really, what do you do? <laughs> uh, I'm going to be totally honest here. I am a pretty lazy cook. And actually that's why her website is going to be so great. I'm going to check it out because you know, the lazy Italian. So it's perfect for me because I'm uh, I'm technically Italian and I'm lazy. <laughs> there you <laughs> so, go. So, um, as least as a cook, I'm lazy. I've never taken to cooking. It's never been something that I've become passionate about even living in Italy. I'm not very passionate about food. I like good food. I can appreciate it, but I'm not a foodie. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't have very sophisticated tastes. <laughs> I like simple, good food, but, you know, foie gras, well, I wouldn't eat foie gras anyway, just as, out of a sort of... Solidarity um, with the geese. Ethical, from an ethical standpoint. But, you know, I just, truffles and uh, caviar and even sushi. It's just, I like the simpler things. Like what? Like, <laughs> like, um, pasta with tomato sauce, <laughs> <laughs> but like really, really well done, really good. Or, um, now you put me on the spot. I can't even think of any food that I like. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you like cookies and tea. Well, yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't really count that though. Why not? Well, it's not really, I mean, it's technically food, but you know, it's not like a rest. It's like a meal. Right. As far as main course type food, I'm not a meat eater. I like salads. I like really, really good salads. I know that sounds really boring, but if it's like a really good salad, I like that. I like sandwiches, really good sandwiches. And I like pasta with, with vegetables or with um, tomato sauce. And I know I sound so boring right now. This is horrible. Would you put yourself in the class that if you didn't have to eat, like if eating wasn't a part of the human experience, that 
on some days that that would be a relief? Yes. Not forever, but every so often, if I could just pop a pill and that would give me all of the nutrients that I need for the day, I would absolutely do it. As long as I wouldn't like, you know, suffer hunger. Right. Because, you know, no one wants to be hungry. But absolutely, I would probably do that a couple days a week. And then, of course, I would start missing the pleasure of eating because I do take pleasure in it like most people. I also really like Thai food and other Asian food. I do like that. And I really go in for that, but I'd never make it because I don't know how. I think my thing is it's like there's a an imbalance between the amount of work that it takes to make something good and the pleasure that I take in eating it. Right. And I think people who take a lot of pleasure in eating, to them it's worth it to really take the time to make a really good meal. And for me, I just, I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not, it just doesn't, I don't lose my, you know what, over yeah. it. I just, I don't, I don't go nuts over food. I think it might also be that some people find that cooking in itself is an incredibly creative experience. Oh yeah, I'm sure that it is for some people. It's their mm -hmm. art form. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where writing is your art form, radio is my art form, cooking is their art form, if that makes sense. And I think that would be very different. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Mm -hmm. I think it is an art form for certain people, but the problem is it's not gonna be the art form for everyone. Right. But everybody has to do it. Right. It would right. be like if everybody had to write. And I mean, I guess everybody does have to write in a certain extent because we all have to write emails and we all have to write letters at some point in our lives. And for some people, <laughs> I can imagine that doing that is really hard work and it's not very enjoyable. Kind of one of those sort of annoying tasks that they have to do. Now, I love it. It's what gives me passion. It's what makes me happiest. But it's not going to be that way for everyone. So it's sort of like the cooking thing. I think people who love to cook can't imagine somebody else wouldn't enjoy it. But it, for a lot of us, it is just something that we have to do every day. And when you become a mother, you really have to do it every day. And you can't be like, oh, I'm so tired tonight. I'm just going to have cereal. It's like, um, no, you have a child. You have to make them actual food. And it's probably one of the biggest challenges that I have found of being a parent. Not that it's hard in the sense that I'm sure cooking is really, really hard if you're doing it right. <laughs> but, you know, for me, it's just, it's just, oh, I feel like, oh, it's just another task of the day that I, that I have to sort of do. Maybe I need a teacher. Maybe I need somebody to make me passionate about it. And I would change. I would be inspired. But I haven't encountered that yet. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why... Personally, I like to interview people like Francesca because I'm looking for that person who inspires me. And and sometimes I actually do feel that way, like a Sunday morning and I take the time to make a stew or something like that. And, you know, it's a fun way to pass the time of like chopping and mixing and throwing stuff in a bowl and then knowing that I'll actually have food to eat for days, even though she said not to do that. I totally do that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think I'm always looking for people like that who will inspire me enough to think of it as an art form that it's just part of my creativity in a day mm -hmm. and I want to reframe it in that way if you know what I mean because we have to do it so we have I to do it so you might as well enjoy way. it right right but I mean it's true that if this is why I asked her about cooking when you're alone because it's true that if you put in all this effort and you're not a person that finds it as your creative outlet relaxing at the end of the day thing and maybe you're just 
hungry and you know you're just going to be sitting down at a, a table to eat it by yourself or with your baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that you just think, well, why would I work for 40 minutes? But at the same point, I have done that in the past and always been thankful that I did do it. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and I wasn't just eating apples and lunch meat. <sighs> Which tends to be my habit pattern if I'm lazy. You know what I like to do? It's not a passion, but it's something that I enjoy doing is baking. Oh, yeah. As opposed to cooking. I I like making sweets. And I think it might be because I enjoy sweets more than (laughs) I enjoy savory foods. I mean, I'm not the type of person who will be like, oh, I'm just going to have a piece of chocolate cake for dinner because obviously that would make me feel ill if I did that more than once in a while. So I do, you know, prefer savory, nutritious food when it comes to my regular meals. But I think I have it. I mean, I know I have a sweet tooth. And I think partially that might be why I prefer baking over cooking. But I think another reason I like to bake is because Baking does not require the same sense of timing that cooking requires. When you cook, you know, you're never just cooking one thing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're cooking a couple of different things at the same time. And they all have to be done at the same time. And that's just too much pressure for me. Mm-hmm. I just can never get everything done at the same time. Something is cold and something is burnt <laughs> and something is overcooked. And it's just like, oh, it's just, I can't, I just can't even handle it. Yeah. I've gotten much better at the timing thing. I think it was when Derek and I became the house that hosted Thanksgiving. I think I learned a lot about timing from that experience because now we've done it many, many, many times. And mm-hmm. you just sort of start to get a rhythm for how long stuff takes after a while. So I'm a little bit better at that, but I totally understand what you're saying. And baking also, you have to be precise. You That's have true. to follow exactly what it says. So it doesn't have these rooms for like... For creativity. Yeah, or I'm making a stew and I don't have normal spices, so what might work? You know, I guess I'll just throw in a little of that, a little of this, and then you're like, wow, this tastes weird. And then if you're me, I'll just throw in a whole bunch more salt because that makes it taste less weird. <laughs> and... At least to me, who's not a sweet person. I'm a savory, salty person, as you will know, motivationally. So yeah, it's so interesting. Well, would you say that because you don't really like to cook or that you like to cook very simple things, that being married to an Italian that has some sort of detrimental impact on your relationship? Or did he know what he was getting into? Because I know his mother, Claudia's mother, is an extremely good cook who spends like the majority of her day cooking. Yes. Just like Francesca was talking about with her mother, you know, spent the whole day cooking. Yes. And then mm-hmm. and then Claudio's married to you. Uh, you might open a <laughs> jar and put some pasta on and mix it together. Yeah. And cut up some lettuce and be done. <laughs> you know? I try not to use pre-made pasta sauce unless it's pesto. I will make the, use the pre-made pesto sauce, but when it comes to tomato sauce, I do try to make it from the jarred tomatoes. Or I make pasta with zucchini, uh, or that's about my repertoire. <laughs> no. Um, All right, two no, good dishes. Couple, that's not bad. I can, that's not bad. I can do a couple of other things. I can do a couple of other things. But one of the very first time that I ever had dinner at Claudia's parents' house, we were dating. We'd been we'd been dating for about six months. We were already pretty serious, and I was meeting his family for the first time. And of course, his mother, you know, went all out. She was meeting her son, her firstborn son's serious girlfriend. So, you know, it was an important event. And 
I can't even remember how many different things she made and courses she made. And it was all amazing. And I said to him very, very upfront, I said, just so you know, I will never do this. I will never, ever do this. So he had fair warning. But on the other hand, I will say that I made him two meals when we were first dating before the lunch at his mother's house. Probably we'd been dating maybe two to three months. One of the reasons I I made the first meal, we weren't really that serious yet because we had kind of one of those slow romances. But he would always take me out to dinner and he would always insist on paying. And it was getting kind of ridiculous because it's one thing, I think it's great for a man to pay on the first couple of dates. I think it's sort of, I'm old fashioned. I think that's the correct thing. But after a while you start going on a lot of dates and there's no reason to assume that the man should pay. Just like there's no reason to assume that the woman should be the only one cooking. But he insisted. Literally, I would be like, please let me pay or let's split it, please. And he just wouldn't. He just refused. Finally, I said, you know what? I want to repay you, so to speak. So I want to make you a meal. And he was like, okay, that I will accept. And I made him a pretty amazing meal for me. (laughs) I think I had like three courses. and I remember at least two of the courses. One of them was eggplant parmesan the Sicilian version, because there's a Sicilian version and there's the Neapolitan version. His mother is Neapolitan and I I like the Sicilian version better. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. Too late. (laughs) (laughs) And I also made a meal that, okay, you're you're all going to laugh at me so bad. I literally got it off the back of a food package. (laughs) I swear to you. And it was in the United States. (laughs) It's not even an like authentic Italian recipe. I think I may have gone through a short phase when I was younger. I think maybe when I had my first apartment or something that I was like, I'm going to try to learn to cook. And I came up, I somehow learned about this recipe for stuffed shells, stuffed pasta shells. And I made it enough times, it became one of the recipes that I just knew how to do. I actually will start to enjoy cooking when there's a recipe that I know how to do. And I don't have to like look at the book and I can just do it. But it's very time consuming because you have to boil the pasta shells and let them cool. You have to make the tomato sauce, which ideally you should make by hand with jarred tomatoes and basil and garlic and olive oil. And then you have to make the filling, which consists of ricotta and steamed spinach and an egg and Parmesan cheese and some other stuff. So then you have to assemble it all. I mean, it's, it's really time consuming. And then you have to bake it all. So I made this for him. I think there was a side salad or something. And I have to say, <laughs> I think somewhere deep down, he believed that I had it in me to be a good cook. And I just was lazy about it. And I think I think I probably have it in me to be a decent cook. I'm not going to say a great cook, maybe a good cook, but um, I just, I'm just too lazy and I just don't have the the time or the willingness because I think you can find the time if you like to do it enough. But I think I kind of deceived him in that meal. I've never lived up to that. And every so often he'll be like, you never made me stuff pasta shells anymore. I'm like, it takes two hours. Give me a break. When am I going to do it? (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, probably anybody has it in them to be a really good cook, just like 
anybody has it in them to learn any skill maybe uh, I, don't, I don't know i mean maybe not to be a really really good cook yeah. but it's about like learning how things happen yeah how they go together a good cook yes a great cook no i think become a great cook it really takes a natural talent that you're born with just like any other artist not everybody is going to be able to go out and be a great dancer true or a great writer but a good one yes i think it's a skill like anything you can develop but I think you have to have the desire. If the desire is not there, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because it's one of those few things where when it comes to cooking, you can fight with both desire and need. Yeah. You have to want to do it to get better at it, but it's also something that you have to do. So over time, you have to learn how to do something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess a lot of people can afford to eat out for every meal and, and do but I think that that isn't the majority of people. Absolutely and not. Certainly not in the Italian culture. That would no. probably be completely unacceptable. No, and I don't actually. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's good for you to eat out that often because it's not the same quality. I don't care. I mean, as far as you can maybe get something that tastes better than what you can make at home, maybe, but it's not going to have the genuineness of what you would make. I just. I'm just not that trustful when I go out to eat that where, how is this stuff stored and uh, is it actually fresh? Has it been frozen? Are there health violations? <laughs> right. Well, and they always say that you would tend to cook leaner if you were cooking at home. Yes. But at the absolutely. same point, if you were eating out for every meal, I don't know, you could afford to pick relatively good restaurants where the food is of a higher quality than say going to fast food. Like we've talked about in a couple episodes ago. Is it really unhealthier than eating cereal for dinner? Eating cereal for dinner is not healthy. <laughs> well, if you want to do it once, okay, but it's not. <laughs> it's not a good idea. Let me ask you this: who who cooks in your marriage? We both do for the most part. Although we go in cycles, certainly where more often than not we're not cooking stuff. We're assembling things that are in the fridge onto a plate or we're ordering a pizza and then we go through spurts where we are cooking a bunch but I think generally speaking with the person I was dating before I met Derek we had a tendency to cook every single night together and that was just sort of part of coming home and relaxing and he was the main cook and he liked to do it and so I would just sit there and talk and listen to what he had been doing all day and when it comes to Derek and me it has a tendency more that if I'm cooking something in the past, he has been off doing other things. And finally, I was trying to smack a rule down that says, no, you know, I'm not just in here cooking for the two of us. You know, if I'm in here cooking, you got to at least be keeping me company. <laughs> I think that's an excellent rule. I no think sitting that, on the couch. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great rule, actually. That should be like required in all marriages. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about my mother-in-law, you know, who slaves away, usually alone. If I'm over, I'll generally go in and, and chat with her while she's cooking. But I'm the only one really. Yeah. And her husband's definitely not in there chatting her up. Yeah, I know. Do you think, <laughs> do you think that she prefers that? Or do you think that that's just their habit pattern after all these years? I would say that now, absolutely. She prefers it. <laughs> I don't want to go anything too personal, but, uh, 
maybe when they were younger, she probably would have liked for him to keep her company. But then I don't know. I can't speak for her because, you know, some people, some cooks, they want their space and they want their privacy and to do their magic and, and stuff. I would personally much prefer to have company while I'm cooking or to cook together. I think cooking together is, is so much fun. Yeah. And I would say, actually, that's what Derek and I do more than anything. Like somebody's shredding carrots and chopping broccoli while the other person's doing some other task, basically. And it also makes the job faster. Yes. When you're doing it together like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it comes down to kitchen size. That's what I was going to say. My old place, like you couldn't fit two people in the kitchen. I know. Literally like barely you couldn't move around right, or there exactly. wasn't even counter space for two mm-hmm. people to work yeah but claudio could have sat in a chair in the doorway yes but he couldn't have helped he couldn't help right cook he could only chat right but still better than being elsewhere right see now i'm kind of in this not transition phase but i'm trying to figure out what to do about dinner time now that i have a one and a half year old child when you have a very small child who's just starting to eat solid foods, they're eating totally different foods from you usually. You know, they're eating soft foods, they're eating fruit more than anything else or vegetables, and then eventually they start eating meat and and other things. But they're not going to be, you know, digging into eggplant parmesan usually. Although Aurelio does eat it occasionally when we're at my in-laws. Um, but, you know, he has his certain things that he really really likes and I and I know what he eats and I mean sorry obviously you know what he eats <laughs> sorry I meant to you say. do <laughs> I, not what he's finding on the floor not what he's finding on the floor Tiffany oh god god forbid <laughs> obviously I know what he I know what he likes so I tend to make what he likes as, as much as possible so that he'll be guaranteed to eat it uh, and he eats quite early because I try to get him to bed early like I try to do the American sort of schedule with him. I, Italians let their kids stay up very late. I don't agree with that. So I give him his dinner around 6.30, sometimes even a little bit earlier. But the problem is by the time I fed him, cleaned up the kitchen, given him a bath, gotten that child in bed and he's asleep, which our listeners know he's not the greatest sleeper. So sometimes that takes a while. By the time I have done all that, I am exhausted because of course I worked all day. And the last thing that I want to do is cook again for us or for myself. The really smart thing to do would be to eat with him. Right. First of all, that means that half of the week, Claudio won't be there because he half of the week doesn't get home in time to eat with Aurelio, which is not the hugest problem. The bigger problem is it's so early. It doesn't feel like that's the time of day I should be eating. But on the other hand, by the time I'm done and I really is sleeping, it's like 9.30 sometimes or 9. And I don't want to eat at that hour either. It's too late. It's one thing to go out on a Friday or Saturday night and eat that late. But to eat at home and then to know that you're going to have to cook the meal and then wash the dishes after, it's just exhausting the even thought of it. And often when that happens, I'll just do the bowl of cereal, like you said, or all yeah. leftovers or stuff like that. And I don't want to do that. I want to eat healthier and I I would like to eat at the same time as my son. So I'm like, should I just start cooking meals that I know that he will eat but that I will also enjoy? It does seem like the most practical. Is that the the easy solution that's just like staring me in the face? 
unless what he enjoys is just a big bowl of steamed carrots, then you might want to do something a little bit more. No, complex. no, no, no. He's old. His favorite food is fish. Oh, really? Wow. That's eclectic for a kid. <laughs> yeah. He loves all types of, well, white fish particularly, but like anytime I make him fish, he will absolutely eat it. And he's pretty good with vegetables too. His favorites are, um, oh my gosh, nobody cares, Tiffany. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, now we're riveting. I'm not even... His favorite time, what? <laughs> I just had one of those mom moments when you realize like you're discussing your child, like some minutia of your child's day and you realize, oh my God, nobody cares. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's like, oh my God, I've become that annoying mom. Someone stop me. Oh, I know. And we're talking about cooking so we just have to add gardening into the mix and we'll just be two old women talking. No, I think that cooking is no longer a boring housewife topic. All you have to do is look and see how many cooking blogs are out there, how many people on Instagram are tweeting po- photos of food. People are obsessed with food. Even like tours, like in Rome, food tours are almost more popular than tours going to the Colosseum. There's like 5, 10, 15, maybe 20, maybe more food tour companies in the city. There's so many. I think that cooking has really become one of the great passions of our generation, strangely. Yeah, and I've always wondered if that's because we're trying to reconnect something that's more physical, that's more about our bodies and our the way that we move in the world, what we would consider in our minds simple pleasures, hmm. because... So much of what we do now is online. It's in this cloud-based realm of unreality. I mean, it is reality. It's obviously our new reality. But it's the same thing why the videos that gets the most hits online are often videos that have to do with animals out in the world. We had this curiosity of seeing animals. I mean, look at what happened to our episode about crows. That episode was gigantic. I know. I think that we have people interested in animals because we're getting more and more disconnected from nature in general. We're spending more time in an urban online environment. And maybe that idea of cooking and sitting down with family, it feels cozy. It's It feels like something that so many of us are missing, that we don't have that rhythm about life that earlier humans might have had. That's a a good way of looking at it. I think another thing, which is much more superficial, (laughs) but could also possibly be part of it, is the level of sophistication of food photography Mm -hmm. and just the sort of artistic preparation of food that you see online, that you see on Instagram, that you see on Pinterest... Uh, you see in videos, people are incredibly creative and food photography obviously has become something that people study and people become really good at. And they take these photos that are just exquisite. They're beautiful. I mean, all you have to do is look at a huge pile of artichokes and it's beautiful. And there's certain people, bloggers and such, who have this sort of way of styling a table, setting a table just in a beautiful way that's so inviting and just makes you have an appetite and it makes you just want to look at the food as much as eat it. And I think that people are very into that. 
And maybe that could be fueling some of the passion for, you know, wanting to create something that is beautiful as well as delicious. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally out on a limb here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I went out with a food stylist or I interviewed a food stylist once and just because I was interested in what it took to take a salad that a chef gives you from the kitchen and make it into something that's a beautiful picture. And it did involve moving with a fork and knife or tweezers and things, moving around elements of the salad, moving the cr little cranberry there, moving the little walnut over here. Wow. Shifting the lighting a little bit so that it highlights this particular part of the salad. And it was fascinating. And she was obviously a person who had studied it and who was a genius, you know, could make whatever dish look 10 times even more beautiful just by messing with it for 10 minutes. Hmm. We need to end, but I want to ask you one more question. And obviously we've thrown our other topic completely out the door. That's what I love about this show. Sometimes you're just like, screw it. Let's talk about <laughs> cooking instead. And maybe it's just because I'm really hungry. And for you, it's midnight. So I don't know why you're thinking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally going to go have a bowl of cereal right now because I'm starving. I know. I <laughs> no, actually have been kidding. eating an apple while you were talking. Uh, silent, <laughs> quietly as possible. Is that even possible? Well, it is pretty impossible, but I can edit my crunching of the apple out. That's the magic of radio. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as it's not distracting you while you're telling a story, I can sit here and eat I, lunch. I didn't even hear it. I didn't even hear it. <laughs> well, I ate a lot of it away from the microphone so that you wouldn't hear it while I was listening to you. <laughs> my final question is a lot of what Francesca was talking about in last week's interview was that food is how Italians express love. Hmm. So given everything that you've said. <laughs> I clearly do not love my husband. <laughs> I know. I'm just wondering, like, what would his perception be? Do you have any idea? Particularly coming from a, a family where the mother spends so much of the day cooking and where the family meal is such a huge part of the day. I don't know if it's just the influence I've had on him or if he's just found a way to sort of compartmentalize the sort of family life he had growing up and the one he has now. But he he's actually really, he doesn't um, seem to have a problem with it. Or maybe it's simply the fact that we eat at his parents' house so <laughs> often that he gets enough from his mom that he doesn't feel like he needs it from me. Or it could also just be the fact that he knows me well enough to know that I have other good qualities <laughs> that make up for the, my lack of cooking skills. He's okay with it. Uh, he's never really made a fuss at all about it, thankfully, because I couldn't, I could not handle that kind of pressure because already I have a lot of, enough pressure from so many different areas of my life. And I think especially now having had Aurelio, I am just so overworked right now and I don't have time to do anything. The, the, the idea that I'd have to whip up some fancy meal for him or us, or whatever. It's just not going to happen. It might happen once a week, if we're lucky. I mean, I could make something more than once a week, but it's not going to be fancy. It's not going to be elaborate. So no, I hadn't, that hasn't actually been an issue for us, thankfully. But you know, the thing is, a lot of Italian men actually are the ones who cook, at least in this generation. So maybe I'm the one who should be sort of like, hey, how come you grew up with a mother who's an amazing cook? How come you didn't learn to cook? He can cook a little bit, but it's not a passion of his either. He can make a couple of things and, you know, he's not bad. He does a pretty good job for someone who never really was taught how to do it. But um, 
you'd be surprised how many Italian men around our age are the ones who do the cooking at home. I think I'm the one, actually, who has a knit to pick here. <laughs> All right, well, let's leave it there with you picking knits. I'm assuming he's already asleep or something by this point because it's far into the night, but you can bring it up first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, listen, you got to step up to the plate. How about you cook dinner tonight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, we thought of an idea, uh, and granted, this has nothing to do with the idea for the show that we were going to be doing today, but we came up with an idea for a show that we'd like to do in the future. And yes, I know people that we still need the signs show that we teased forever that we still need to record that. A couple of people have asked me about when are we doing the show about the signs that we received that shot us in a different direction. We'll do that show. If you guys want to send emails about that, that would be great. We've actually only gotten one really great story about a sign somebody received that encouraged them to, to do something. So if you have anything in that nature, feel free to write to us about that. But we have another idea too. Tiffany, do you want to lay it out or do you want me to lay it out? Well, you all know that I'm still, you may not know that I'm still trying to come up with a title for my book. And we, we sort of actually it was Katie's idea, you know, why is it so hard to name things when it comes to naming a business, naming a blog, naming your kid, naming a book? Why is it so hard and how do you end up coming up with what you come up with? And please share your stories with us, the challenges that you've had and the inspiration that you had for coming up with the names of your projects or children. So we'll read your emails and we'll tell you the story of how The Bittersweet Life came to be called The Bittersweet Life, which is one of the number one questions I get asked by people, how that name came about. So email us at bittersweetlife at mail, M-A-I-L dot com, or you can reach us at Twitter at bittersweetpod or at Facebook at facebook.com slash thebittersweetlife. All right. And until next time. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. If you're interested in sponsoring the program and reaching thousands of people all over the world, send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. That's bittersweetlife at M-A-I-L dot com to get the conversation going. Thank you for all the ways you support us. And we'll talk to you next week.